Well, it's fun to see most of your faces uh, this morning. Um, it is been interesting for some of us that have been here helping to facilitate worship and, and not have other bodies in here. Um, and so it's just good, good to um, see faces. And um, yeah, as, as Dave was praying in this time of transition, that you know, there's, there's still ways that we can connect with one another. And um, I hope you're taking advantage of the uh, little prayer uh, towers that, that came out in the mail this week. Well, mine came this week. Uh, depending on how the mail's running, you may get yours this week or next week. I don't know. But the prayer tower starts um, today. And so it, this is another way that we can be in prayer for one another, connecting with one another. Hope you take opportunities to reach out to folks as well. Well, over uh, the season of Lent, we'll be highlighting the theme of death to life. And I love that uh, the seasons as we experience them here in, in Pennsylvania move along with us from death to life. And um, certainly in the last couple of days, uh, I know some people love the snow, enjoy the snow, they get a kick out of it. I'm not one of them. I have to go and clear the driveway and plow and do all that stuff. Um, and so I look forward to uh, the season of spring as that emerges. Um, yesterday, I was at home planting seeds, and so it started to uh, bring some, some joy to my life, start to get my hands in, in the dirt again, and so that's, that's good. And so we'll be looking at this uh, theme of death to life. And really, death to life because of Jesus might be a way of summing up the good news story that Jesus introduces us to. Our story, or rather our series of stories uh, that are part of our scripture reading this morning come from Mark's version of the gospel. And Mark is an action-packed uh, book of the Bible. He's got a lot of stories kind of crammed in there, moving very rapidly from one to the next. I mean, we covered, you know, the whole beginning of Jesus' ministry in these few short verses this morning. And so it's an action-packed story. Uh, Matthew and Luke and, and, of course, John are known for filling in some of the details, but Mark has his own way of highlighting and connecting important themes in his story. Uh, Mark is probably one of the earliest Gospels to actually get written down. And uh, the way he tells his story probably reflects the way the early church um, kind of verbally told the story. Before they had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to read from, they had to share the story out loud. And so part of the reason Mark's version is probably a little bit shorter, more concise, is because it reflected people trying to memorize the story and, and repeat it. Um, but Mark has a way of connecting important um, aspects in this story. And so as we take a deeper look at it, would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, there are a lot of ways that we are looking forward to and anticipating this movement from death to life. Um, Maybe never before have we anticipated that, looked forward to it, uh, had a, a deeper hunger for it than in this season of pandemic, where we start to see glimpses 
of hope, of, of moving forward, of, of things, finding some kind of new normal. And so as we journey through this season of Lent, would you be challenging us, encouraging us with this story? As we look at this scripture, may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our three stories that are covered very briefly here in Mark are the baptism of Jesus, the, the testing or the temptation of Jesus, and um, what I'm calling the, the proclamation of Jesus. And of course, when we read these stories, we're tempted to go to Matthew and Luke to find out the fuller story, but we're going to stick with Mark and allow Mark to tell us his version this morning. Uh, Mark does not actually tell the, the birth story of Jesus. We get that in, in most fully in Matthew and Luke. But Mark's version instead jumps right into explaining how John the Baptist is the fulfillment of the prophet's words, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And Mark is quoting both from Isaiah and from Malachi in those few verses. But John goes out into the wilderness, and John is preaching. And what he is preaching, Mark tells us, he is preaching baptism of repentance. That's a word that we heard last week. We talked about repentance in, in reorienting our way back towards Jesus, or turning around, recognizing that we're headed in the wrong direction, and re reorienting in the right direction. Uh, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And John goes out into the wilderness, and when he is preaching, he is also baptizing the, the community of Israel for their sins. And their, their primary sin, among you know, many other individual sins, but their primary sin as a people is breaking the covenant they had with God. A covenant that was established with Abraham and, and renewed in, in different ways, they had broken and they had continued this cycle of breaking their covenant with God. So John is baptizing the community of Israel for the forgiveness of their sin. And Jesus comes out and Jesus is baptized. And John comments before, before Jesus actually gets there that someone is going to come after him who is going to baptize with more than just water, but is going to bring a baptism of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of God's Spirit to empower them, to embolden them, to remind them of the covenant. So when Jesus comes to be baptized, again, we're going to let Mark speak for himself. There is no conversation in Mark between Jesus and John the Baptist. We read in Matthew that there's this brief conversation where Jesus shows up and John says, look, I'm not worthy to even untie your shoes. How can I baptize you? That's in Matthew. Mark doesn't tell us that story. Instead, what happens in Mark is that Jesus comes as a part of the crowd who is being baptized for the repentance of sin and forgiveness. Again, there's no conversation recorded between Jesus and John here. The fuller story that Mark tells helps to explain Mark's emphasis. See, Jesus comes and Jesus doesn't have any, any personal sin 
He hasn't done anything wrong, and yet he chooses to identify with a people who have collectively broken the covenant with God. Sure, they've, they've, they've each committed their own sin, but Jesus is coming and identifying with this people, with this, this broken people group who has this, this history and, and, and this cycle of breaking the covenant with God. They've collectively turned their back on God. And Jesus comes to identify with them. Let me just pause for a moment. I think sometimes we as uh, Americans struggle with this idea of, of corporate or community sin, the, the sins that happen in the society. Because in theory, we all want to be held responsible for our own actions and, and, and our own choices. And for sure, we are held responsible for our own choices as well. But scripture actually has a lot to say about community sin. You think back to the, the Old Testament, it's not just the kings who find themselves suffering the consequences of their idolatry. Rather, the, the people are kind of lumped together for the consequences of their collective national idolatry. Thousands and millions of individual decisions have led the community of people into sin. So let me just lean into this for a moment. In the last year, some of our uh, American community sin has been unveiled. And let me just point out one, and maybe it is reflected in other places, but violence. Violence in our society, violence in our world. Even though, you know, I personally am against uh, the, the use of violence, and we are, uh, we call ourselves a peace church, and so we are in theory, against violence, I also have to recognize that I am a part of a society and a culture that has violence deeply embedded in many places of our society. And maybe I also need to confess that the violence has impacted me in ways that I don't even see Maybe I need to confess that I've not done enough to stand in the way of that violence, to break that cycle of violence, whether violence between nations or violence between neighbors, violence directed towards foreigners or any other number of places where violence is a part of our system. And perhaps there are other sins of the community that are similar to this. But here at Jesus' baptism, he identifies with the crowd. He steps into their shoes. He comes and he is baptized as one of the repentant people of Israel, identifying with them. And Jesus sees the, the heavens open and he sees the Spirit descend. Jesus sees the heavens open, and this is a, a thing that will happen throughout Mark's story. It's a way that Mark connects the actions of God the Father to God the Son through God the Spirit. 
the Spirit descending like a dove. This actually recalls some of the, the Old Testament language where uh, at the beginning of, of everything, the beginning of Genesis at creation, the, the Spirit of God is hovering over the deep. And this language recalls that story. It also recalls the, the language of, of Noah sending out the dove to go and find the new creation. And so the, the Spirit of God is descending like a dove, and it's God's way of saying, I am doing something new in Jesus. And it is God's kind of stamp of approval on Jesus as the Messiah, as the, the Christ, the, the chosen one, the anointed one. But there's language here that's, that's even stronger than Jesus just being a, a Messiah and a leader. God identifies Jesus as his son whom he loves. It's a, meant to uh, reveal that close familial relationship between God the Father and God the Son. It also recalls the language from Abraham where Abraham is, is tested and, and tried. He has this testing where he's supposed to go out into the wilderness and, and sacrifice his son, his only son, whom he loves. And at the moment where Abraham's about to go through with it, God, God stops him. But now God, with his own son, will not stay the hand of the executioner. In Jesus, God is doing something new. And then Mark, in, in his typical fashion uh, in our scripture that, that Dave read uh, this morning out of the, the NIV, says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Other versions say, immediately uh, Jesus was sent out into the wilderness. This immediately or at once is something that's pretty unique to uh, Mark, and this is how he moves his story rapidly along and how he connects events together. Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. And again, let Mark tell his story. We don't have all the specifics in Mark of how Jesus is tempted and tested. Rather, Mark highlights for us that it's 40 days, that's important, that there are wild animals uh, there with him and angels attended him. 40 days. Where else have you heard 40 days or 40 years? I know it's not the TV. Somebody, you actually have to respond now. 40? Not a trick question? Noah? All right. We, Noah, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Any other place that you can think of? 40 coming into play? They wandered through the, the wilderness. They, 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 the desert, the wilderness experience was 40 years. There's another one that I, I usually forget. Well, Pentecost, yeah, I'm gonna, that comes 40 days after resurrection. Um, another 40 days is Elijah in the wilderness for 40 days, okay? So this, this theme of 40 and the theme of wilderness is being replayed here in Mark. Noah and the flood, uh, the Hebrews in the wilderness, Elijah, 40 days, who's also sustained by wild animals bringing him food that he needs. Uh, it's how God helps provide for Elijah in the wilderness. Jesus is reenacting the wilderness experience of Israel. 
once again, he is identifying with their history, with their tradition, and with their cycle of living into this wilderness experience. We've turned away from God. We have to go through exile and wilderness to find our way back to God. Jesus is identifying again with the people. In essence, Jesus is saying, I am one of you. I identify with the people who are loved of God and yet have broken the covenant. I identify with you who have wandered in the wilderness, who have suffered under slavery and exile, who have run for your lives. Jesus identifies with them. And he comes through that wilderness experience. And so Jesus has identified with the, the, the collective repentant people of Israel. Jesus has identified with them in their, their cycle of uh, wilderness experience. And now Jesus emerges from those and proclaims the good news. Jesus has identified with them and he comes and he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Uh, Bible scholar uh, Brendan Byrne uh, points out that Jesus is using language from Isaiah. And when Isaiah used the language of being freed, Isaiah was talking initially and specifically about freedom from Babylonian captivity. But by the time of Jesus, uh, the, the Jewish people were starting to understand, look, we've been freed from Babylon, and yet we continue to ex have this experience of, of captivity, of exile. And so they started to understand that this was a bigger human problem, a, a slavery or an exile uh, to the forces of evil in the world. And so they longed for a freedom from a broader human captivity. And Jesus is coming and is announcing that this human captivity to sin and to death has run its course. So this story is, is leaning into this theme of, of death to life. You know, baptism is a symbol of, of dying to self as we go under the water. We are dying to our own way of doing things, dying to our sin, dying to the cycle of wilderness and, and exile that we all experience. And so as we go under the water, it is an expression of our identifying with death and with Jesus' death. We are raised then to new life. Baptism is also our identity with the story of humanity in our confession and repentance. And then in baptism, being identified with Jesus and this new story that he is beginning to tell. It is our identifying and saying, this, I want to be a part of this story. It is our initiation into a new family and a new kingdom. It is the sign of our new citizenship in the kingdom of God. So Jesus came and identified with sinful humanity, though he had no sin of his own. He took on the wandering wilderness. These events serve to foreshadow how Jesus will continue to allow himself to be identified with far worse criminals. He will take on the full consequences of sin at the cross. 
See, Jesus identified with us. Jesus identified with us. And the question, I think, for us this morning, for us to ask ourselves, is will we identify with Jesus? I know there's some folks uh, who, over the last uh, few months, have uh, talked uh, about baptism, about wanting to be baptized. And we're going to get to a point um, when, we're, when we're ready for those kinds of uh, baptisms to be happening, and, and we are uh, looking forward to that. If you've never really identified with Jesus and with his life and his death and his resurrection, Jesus invites us to repent, that is to, to turn around and believe, that is to align ourselves with the good news of Jesus. The kingdom of God has come to bear in the here and the now and a kingdom that will extend forever and ever. And we're invited into this story. As Jesus has identified with us in our brokenness, in our need for repentance, in, in our own wilderness experience, he invites us to repent, to confess, and to be baptized, to identify with Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. We are going to respond in words uh, that have been uh, spoken in the church for a long time. And uh, Dave's going to come up in a moment and lead us through that. Um, I, I just want to preface this with um, some of these words sound strange to us. Uh, especially in the Church of the Brethren. Um, some of these words may be unfamiliar to us, but these are, are words that have been expressed by the church for um, a long, a long time. One of those words that might cause you to stumble a little bit is we are going to say the word Catholic. And Catholic means universal. It doesn't mean Roman Catholic. It means the whole big family of Christ, the people who have committed to following Jesus, who have identified with his story that's bigger than the Church of the Brethren. It's bigger than the Roman Catholic Church. It is this whole big, wide, broad, beautiful family of Christ. And so I just want to preface that. And so let's uh, stand as we prepare to respond in affirming our shared faith. Please join me in our affirmation of faith. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He announced and embodied the gospel of the kingdom of God. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen.